everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after, I just, I got to say, another special performance by the Winnipeg Jets. The thing about this is I hope what people are realizing here is that what you're seeing with the Winnipeg Jets, this isn't normal. What they're doing night in and night out, the ability to kind of just, and I don't want to say pull victories out of a hat, but just to find a way to come out on top. You know, I know they say good teams find ways to win, and I, and I do kind of, I, I do believe in that. But I mean, you take, it this game, take a look at this game here tonight, and, you know, they pull this one out with less than a minute left. That's exciting. If you're in this building, it's phenomenal stuff. It's a KC hat trick in order to get it done. Um, the Jets start out there. They're losing that game. They tie it up. Go ahead. Blow that lead. Uh, you, you take a look at this game, and if you are, I don't know, 25 of the other teams around the NHL, you take a look at this and you think, man, that was an exciting night. That doesn't happen that often. And then you take a look at the Jets' last game. And you see what they pulled off with that comeback against Seattle. And then you take a look at, you know, you go back further and further throughout the season and the victories that they pulled off against a team like the L.A. Kings in that game. And you, you just go up and down the list. And at the very least, and we can debate how they're getting their results done and if it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. I know some people are going to be saying, pump the brakes here. This was the Anaheim Ducks. This was the worst team in the Western Conference. And there's truth to that. Um but I like this win for the Winnipeg Jets. And I have to say, um, just the idea of a team that is constantly finding different ways to get the result and doing so in thrilling fashion, at the very least, Winnipeggers, at the very least, Jets fan, you are watching something special here in that. And I, I wish I had the stat off the top of my head, but there's a prominent team right now in the NHL. I, I think it's the Dallas Stars. I'm not entirely sure, but um, yeah, no, I don't think it's the Dallas Stars, but but there's a team, it's a very good team, and they just haven't been able to pull off any come-from-behind victories. They're just, it's just not happening for them. Where the Jets are finding a way to fight their way back into games almost every night, finding a way at the most crucial times of games to pull things off, and that's what we saw again here tonight. I mean, if, if, if you were trying to write a storybook ending for the retirement uh, or the Hall of Fame induction of Timu Solani and Teppo Numanen, a last-minute victory on a hat trick by the number one shooter on your team who has been slumping is about as good a storyline as you could get. That's Hollywood doesn't write that good of a storyline. And Hollywood doesn't write as good of a storyline as what they pulled off in their last game against Seattle. This is a team that somehow seems to do things very right in the very crucial moments. And I know I've said this in the past. I know they've had this ability in the past. But once again, this is just another night where the system, Rick Bonus's system, gets played to a tee. It gives them an opportunity to win. It puts the, it puts the game up on the platter and they go and they take it. And it's just, uh, I, I hope Jets fans realize what they're witnessing and have been witnessing this season. It's something most hockey fans don't get to see from their team. Uh, and they should enjoy it. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy this next one. We're going to be bringing in my main man, Ken Weeb, uh, in Regina right now, I believe. Oh, yeah, he's got the hotel room background. So uh, let's do it. Let's bring in the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny. That's the wrong one. Here we go. Here comes Kenny.
Kenny, my friend, COVID could never hold you down. You haven't missed a show. You're going to keep at it. Uh, but I will say this. I've had a little bit of jealousy on the show uh, the last little while because you're looking as dapper as me uh, at this stage because you got access to Frank and the boys. Uh, you got the sports neck gear on, but I got the Frank and the Vittorio Rossi gear you do. on. So I think that I trump it here. And uh, I got to say, I went in because I got some new new threads coming out. Uh, I was at Vittorio yesterday, and Craig Zamzal from the podcast, from the chat room that people will see, was in there. And it was interesting, Ken. Uh, Frank and the boys, Frank said, hey, you got to come to the other room here and, and showed me because, you know, Craig had gone in. And like we said, and we say it right now, if you're going to head over to Vittorio Rossi, if you want to look good, that's the place to go. If you do go, tell him Kenny and Rennie sent you. Well, he'd done that, and he brought me over to see Craig and uh Craig and I had about a half hour conversation, I think, just talking about kind of anything and everything to the point that I think the boys at Vittorio were like, Sean, can you get out of the way here so we can do our jobs, please? But uh, thanks to Craig for going there. Thanks for giving them a heads up. Uh, and just got to say, uh, he got the treatment from Frank and the boys over at Vittorio Rossi. If you want to look as good as uh, Kenny and I do when we're dressed to the nines and as good as oh. I'm sure Craig Zamzow oh, wrong one, is looking right now, uh, head down to Vittorio Rossi on Cordon Avenue. See Frank and the boys. They'll hook you up nice. It'll be perfect. Ken, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Feeling great. Thank you. Uh, yep. Yeah, nice little uh, quick quick flight to the Queen City today. We did a little CFL work. I'm going to just put it in the chat quickly. i uh, love to see uh, Zach Caleros' ankle show up in the chat room here. Uh, people showing their creativity. Uh, here, here is the answer to how is Zach's ankle. I uh, was able to get my hands on the audio from earlier today after realizing or after landing here and showing up in the Queen City. Uh, it is a little chilly, but, uh, you know, stayed in my room, still quarantined for today. So ready to ready to go tomorrow. Commissioner's press conference, State of the Union in the morning. And I mean, all eyes will be on that uh, right ankle of Zach Caleros, who hopes to practice on Friday. Uh, in terms of the Jets, Sean, uh, interesting game for sure. We were texting throughout. Uh, you know, I had a little bit of FOMO for sure. I know it was a it was a fun vibe and great atmosphere around the arena. Uh, Timu and Teppo looking sharp in those Hall of Fame jackets. I think uh, you 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 have an idea where those came from as well, don't you? Frank and the boys of Vittorio. Hey, if you liked how those legends looked on the ice with the legendary jackets, well, the legend Frank and the boys at uh, Vittorio Rossi are the ones who made them look like that. He's all over the place, that Frank. <laughs> is he ever uh and yeah you touched on it i mean it, it was an interesting game obviously we uh we were you know, te- you know kind of debating on where the game kind of turned uh, we have different views on that but uh obviously i think that both both sets of those views were important in the game for sure uh we'll dig into that a little bit later but uh, i mean hey let, let's not kid ourselves this was a massive massive development for kyle connor and the winnipeg jets I mean, we've talked about it a lot with the injuries up front to Nikolai Ehlers, to Mason Appleton, to Morgan Barron. That's three top nine forwards. And Kyle Connor going into the game was sitting with two goals on the season, one empty netter, one overtime winner, but one empty netter. Uh, so to me, Kyle Connor having a you know three goal outburst, and you could tell he was how fired up he was with all three of them. And the only thing that was missing. It would have been fantastic if Kyle would have thrown the glove up in the air to give Timu the the celebration. I mean, yeah. I I mean I get it. I mean, you probably it's easier to say after the fact, but boy oh boy, after the hat trick, uh, if he had tossed that glove up in the air to the left defenseman, uh, boy oh boy, like uh, a la Dallas Aikens, I mean that would have been absolutely uh, you know probably would have blown the roof right off the place um, in in the Canada Life Center. But I mean I think it was pretty fitting. I mean. Uh, Tamus Solani is one of the best goal scorers in you know, 1.0 history. Uh, had a memorable season that, you know, Dallas Aiken said it this morning, Sean. I mean, that's that's a record that's probably never, ever going to be broken. We talk about, you know, 92 for Gretzky. But, I mean, 76 goals for a rookie, that's just simply not going to happen uh, in all likelihood. So, I mean, quite a breakout for Kyle Connor. Uh, it was an important development for a team. I know I know you've been on, on site and... Um, We'll get into Nikolai Ehlers' injury. I mean, I, to me, I've seen all the quotes, but I need your thoughts on the context of how those quotes were relayed uh, about his in, about his injury and where things kind of stand. Uh, but for me, I think the biggest development of today was obviously, and as you mentioned, I mean, this is a game where in the past, the Jets probably stray from their structure. 
right? I mean, they didn't have, I mean, I know Rick Bonus was kind of trying to sell it as they did have a good first period. Well, after the strong start in the first couple of minutes where Dubois had the chance and maybe they didn't bear down and John Gibson makes a few saves, the Jets got kind of flat for a boat. I thought it was a 12-minute stretch, Sean. I mean, you were in the building and context yep. is everything. But to me, they kind of got a little bit, uh, you know, casual with the puck, let's say, and I didn't think they were skating very well. So, and then they weren't generating that much. And then Connor Hellbuck had to make a bunch of saves. So, and then again, the puck goes in the net on a, you know, delayed penalty call. But uh, for the most part, the Jets really got things turned around in the second period. And and that's where they kind of, and they never really kind of looked back after that. Yeah, I don't know. Where do you want to go from that? Do you want to go and talk about Ehlers and get that done? Sure, let's go Ehlers, and then let's just dump right into Lamplater after that. Well, all, okay all so yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I was on OB early on with uh, Kelly, uh, Kelly and Jordy. I was on OB, and the one thing that I'd say about this situation with, um, you know, Rick Bonus, he, he, he's that guy, and it's funny. I had a moment. I had a moment early in the season with him where, uh, what's the line he kept using with you for the longest time? It was you specifically. He kept going. Um, and you, when you'd push him for answers, he was using a line. The to we'll kind of see. Like, we'll yeah, see. the we'll see. He kept going with the we'll see. And he gave <laughs> yeah. me the we'll see one time. And I said, no, you're not getting away with that. I need more. Right. You've got to give me more than what you're given. And he kind of got a kick out of that. One, I like it that he's okay with that kind of banter with the, with the journalists, right? Because we're trying to get more from him. I wasn't, you know, you're trying to, to a degree, hold his feet to the fire. But we're doing it in a playful way. And I like to think we all get along behind the scenes here. Um, but I like the way Rick handles stuff. He basically tells you, I can't tell you the stuff I can't tell you, and I'll tell you everything else, right, is what he does. So he's basically at the stage now right. with Nikolai Ehlers where he's he can't tell us what's going on because I don't think they know right now, and that's exactly what he said. But it can't be a good thing. I mean, this started out with Nikolai Ehlers, and he had a timeline, and everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, that timeline started stretching out. And then he wasn't getting better. So the timeline kept stretching and stretching. And then he was getting better, but he was getting better slowly. So at least he was making progress. Well, it kind of seems now where that slowed progress is, is kind of got them to the point that they're thinking they're not so sure the body can heal from this properly or fully without intervention. Um, I think we're going to find that out the next couple of days. Um, Ken, at the beginning of the year, the way things were going, if we would have heard that we were losing uh, or that the Jets were losing Nikolai Ehlers at the beginning of the year the way they did, we would have thought this would have spelled disaster. The story for me out of this, and believe me, I know when Nikolai Ehlers comes back, I think he's bound to have a really good year. I think he's set up to do really well. But this is just a story of the resiliency of this team and of the structure that has been put into this team and of the the greater amount of responsibility that's been spread up and down this lineup than has been there in years past. And that's why this team has been able to not survive Nick Ehlers, but thrive in the absence of Nick Ehlers. All that said, uh, no one's going to be happy to hear if he's out for a certain amount of time. Uh, I, I keep... I don't want to say I keep hearing, but I don't think it would be too far to suggest that if Nikolai Ehlers is out, you can expect his timeline to be somewhat similar to that of Mason Appleton. Yeah, and that's a big blow. I mean, if surgery is required, I mean, but that to me, like the last couple of days, Rick's saying they need to decide soon. Like that, I mean, again, I know he said everything was on the table and no, it's not for sure that he will need surgery. But I mean, if it isn't healing on its own, Sean, I mean, we're not doctors, but... I mean, if it's not healing on its own, it leads you to believe that he may require surgery, right? I mean, that would be just a natural conclusion. Um, and, it, you know, it's a big loss for the Jets. I mean, yes, they're doing a great job in, in his absence and in the absence of others. And like you said, I mean, it seems like um, they are finding a way to get things done with their depth. But to me, Sean, I think that the depth is going to be tested over time. Um, and I do think, I mean, a lot of people, some people are already starting to talk in the chat. I mean... I do think that the time, I'm not saying it's now as in immediately right this second, but I do think it's time that Kevin Cheveldayoff goes out and upgrades the forward group. I mean, he's been talking about wanting to do that since the draft. So um, right now it's a, it's a seller's market. The Jets have a surplus of defensemen. And I get it. It is not, if it were, if it were easy to trade a defenseman, 
a, def- a defenseman would have been traded. I mean, that's the way it is. But uh, I, I just think that the Jets, if they want to sustain this level of success, I think they're going to need to move a defenseman in order to upgrade the, the forward group. And I get it. I mean, when those guys are healthy, then the Jets have a surplus of forwards potentially. Yes, that's fine. But they need, if they want to compete in the Central Division like they are right now and be near the top of it and not sort of you know slip into the murky middle and, and get into that log jam for the wild card, I think they're going to have to go out and get another forward. Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I've, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you don't that, agree. Well, put it. And this I'm not way. saying I, you have to. No, I, I, I think that the Jets are showing that they're a very, like that they can survive with what they have. And again, I go back to the idea being that Rick Bonus's system is the true star of this team so far this year. But I, what I do think is I think that the Jet, I don't think that there's a rush on this. I think that with the money that Shovel Dayoff has left open for this team, um, I think what it does is it puts uh, them in a situation where they could really go big game hunting at the trade deadline. And so I I think that they're in a situation. Go I on. agree, but the, you got to get that spot. I mean, I think if you the longer you wait, especially, we're not even to the quarter point of the season. I mean, I agree with you in the premise but if you have that money now, I think they need that impact player now. You know what? I, I don't agree with you at all. I think what's happened was the, the depth on this team has been given a role and a responsibility it hasn't had in years past, and they've risen to the challenge. And I think as a coach, as a general manager, I think you have to reward the players for that challenge. And I think what the players have to do is that they have to fail you before you can you can say like look we need to go and we need to replace this at this moment the jets are getting it done and a lot of what they're getting it done is through players like Saku Manalainen and through Janssen Fialbi and Lowry and 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 Sam Gagne who's been brilliant on the fourth line and great on the third line and now you know we'll talk about it but like makes the first line look like like is is that Maybe the best line game that we've seen from the first line this year? I think it is, right? So you got to give Sam Gagne props for being able to get up and make that happen. I I think that you you keep allowing them to have that ownership until they show you that they, they don't deserve to own it anymore. And then have confidence as a general manager that at that time, you can pull the trigger that when you need to. Right. I think I think it's preemptive to do it right now. I don't think they need to be preemptive. They're putting themselves in a situation where everyone is kind of falling away. It's going to be a jostling and a jockeying for first, second and third. I don't think they're going to get to first. I think that, you know, that the Colorado Avalanche, I mean, if you take a look at them tonight, they pulled the Winnipeg Jets got absolutely pumped and somehow pulled that game out against a very good team that was putting up 15, 17 shots a period. And the Colorado Avalanche had two shots in the third period to pull that out they've got that survivability that the jets have showed over the years i think they're going to end up in first i just think the jets are probably going to end up in that two three game and so uh it because you know minnesota's not looking that good chicago i think we expect them to fall back down to earth st louis has kind of woken up again but they'll need to string some stuff together before they become a challenge i don't think there's any sense of urgency towards this right now i don't think they need to act like that i think they can leave things open so that they can build up cap space and then i think that they can go out and take a big swing and i think they're going to need to ken because as good as this all is, I hate to be the guy who brings in the storm clouds over that, but may I remind everybody that as of right now, with Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck and Pierre-Luc Dubois and all their contracts coming up in two years, the window for this team remains two years. So you can't waste it this year. I think the, the, the Jets are going to have to have, I'm looking down the road, they're going to have to have the best trade deadline they have ever had since they came back here this year to to pay off the the keeping this core together um and so to me that's when things are going to get interesting that's where when they're going to need to make their moves i think you just keep allowing the players who have paid you off so far to keep paying you off uh we got to get to totally fair i just think that there are players that can be upgraded on and i think that to your point the big game hunter i think depending on the timeline getting Ehlers back already is giving you that boost that a big game hunter would. So now in the interim, 
you get somebody that can help. Again, you're not going to get a guy who's going to replace Nick Ehlers' production necessarily. But I think there's a there's a trade to be had that could upgrade their forward group. And again, I, like I said, I don't think it's urgent. But I think if they want to stay where they are, I think they're going to have to eventually. I mean, again, if they were looking to upgrade in the summer, they should still be looking to upgrade now, even though some of those kind of unsung guys the Jets have brought in, and Kevin Shevel Dayoff deserves credit for the free agent signing of Sacramento Linen of Sam Gagne and claiming Axel Janssen Fjall beyond waivers, those were subtle moves that were smart and deserve credit. But I think this is an opportunity for the Jets to get even better. And again, I, I know it's not urgent, but I think that they could still upgrade at that position. And I think, like you said, I think they have to eventually. It's uh, just a matter of the timing and a deal has to make sense for them. Again, I'm not saying panic at the disco and make a move for the sake of bringing a forward in. You got to bring in the right guy. It's got to be the right fit. Uh, we've talked a lot about how different it is around the team, and I agree with you, Sean. I mean, there are a lot of people who deserve to be in the lineup. I just think that if the Jets' ultimate goal, like what you said, there are windows two years. If you're pushing in your chips, why not push them in in December or January instead of pushing them in in March? I think if you're pushing your chips in in March. You're, roll, you're definitely rolling the dice, and I just think it's a bit of a riskier proposition the closer you get to the deadline. I think you just live a little bit too much of runway, in my personal opinion. Again, I'm not well, saying that I'm right. I'm just saying that's yeah. my opinion. Well, the chat room seems to think that you're right. More, You've got more supportive comments than I do. I'll just say this. Big game hunting is not being done right now. There's going to be Fair. bigger names available at a later time. That's why I think it makes more sense there. I'm just going to, uh, before we get to the lamplighter, throw out a quick wake up here. Ryan Friesen says, Jets already smoked the Avs in Colorado, Reynolds. What Kool-Aid are you drinking? Avs ain't all that. The, the Avalanche, who will tell you that they haven't gotten anywhere near their game so far, lost to the Jets in overtime. What about that is smoking? Ryan Friesen, I'm not saying that the Avs are all that, but I am saying this example that you're trying to set is absolutely terrible and worth a wake-up. And I don't even hand out the wake-ups on this show, but I'm going to steal one from Ken and drop it in your lap, Ryan. Oh, Ken, Ken, I got Ken's backing. There you go. Ryan, wherever you are, I hope you're feeling shame right now because you deserve to feel shame after that. Um, Lamplighter, let's get to it. Go for it. You're up. You're Hold on. There you go. You're un, you're unmuted. Go. Okay, sorry about that. Yes, uh, I, you know. Yeah, everything falls apart in Regina. Uh, runner. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I was too worried about the props. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, the hat trick goal. I mean, the GW. I mean, the second goal from Connor is beautiful. I mean, you loved you loved what uh, Sam Gagne and Mark Schleife did on the cycle portion and then the backhand pass. But, you know, it's got to be the GWG. I mean, come on. It's a hat-trick goal. Mark Scheifele absolutely puts it on the tee for Kyle Connor, And it's just elite finishing ability. I mean, absolutely elite, elite, elite finishing ability. So, to me, that's the – I mean, again – Honorable mention for the second goal, but the the lamplighter is quite clearly the overtime winner, the hat-trick goal, the third hat-trick of Kyle Connor's career, and the 36th game-winning goal, I believe, of Kyle Connor's career as well. I'm going to double-check that statistic, but I believe the last one that he got, the overtime winner, was 35. Uh, you know, not great at math, but I believe that's the 36th, but we're going to just go to the old hockey reference to it to ensure that we're accurate. Otherwise, I'm um, you know in my own wake up. I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, that lamplighter, uh, the the game winning goal, I agree is the lamplighter, and for all those reasons, hat trick, game winning goal, all that kind of stuff. But this is my favorite part of that goal. The the Anaheim Ducks have the puck in the corner. Trevor Zegras, maybe their best player, has the puck. He has time, yes. and Kyle Connor makes him hear footsteps, and he panics. And he throws it, and it is a terrible giveaway. And I remember when it happened as I was watching live, I thought to myself, what is he doing? Well, that starts to play, and it ends up in the back of the net. Well, it's Kyle Connor 
who scares him into throwing the puck away. And I asked him about it. These are two players that skate with each other in Michigan in the offseason. He said, yeah, I'm going to have to give it to him over that one. Uh, and boy, is he going to have to uh, because that was an egregious giveaway. But it is fundamentals hockey. It is Kyle Connor going out and forcing and pressuring and being in the right place to create the turnover and then feasting off of the turnover that he creates eventually it is fundamental hockey it is the right way to play this isn't the jets sitting back and getting caved in this is them going out and taking control of their fate rick bonus said as much to me that is the lamplighter of the game for that reason exactly i need you to give me your johnston group got you covered Oh, did you put the uh, logo up? Let's throw the logo up. Quickly. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, before we do that. Oh, yeah. Hey, this gorgeous logo. We got to throw I'm just it up here there. to help. You know what you got to do. Every, I, I've already got a long list of people who have given me their lamplighter. Keep going if you haven't done so already. Uh, if you give us your lamplighter, you enter yourself to win an eight-pack of Frosty Lamplighter Amber Ale, the nectar of the gods. Absolutely gorgeous stuff. If you can't wait for us to give you an eight-pack, head on down to the tap room of TransCanada Brewing at 112.90 Keniston. Talk to the fine folks there where they've got a absolutely unbelievable all-star roster of beers to pick from. And I will also announce our uh, our winner, our Lamplighter winner, from the last time, and that is Tim under at Tim underscore Jets fan. He sent me a Twitter message. So that is his handle. You've got until Saturday before the game to get a hold of me. Uh, send me a direct message to my Twitter account if Twitter is still living. If not, uh, we'll find a way to get this done. We'll give you a grace period. Uh, but send that to me to cl- claim your eight pack of Frosty Lamplighter. Ken, your Johnson group got you covered. Play of the game. Yeah, for me. I think the gotcha covered play and player of the game is Sam Gagne uh, for all the reasons that we mentioned given the Jets injury status and report with losing Mason Appleton for that six eight week span with the wrist surgery uh, joining uh, Nikolai Ehlers and Morgan Barron on IR uh, Sam Gagne's ability to jump up on that top line and have a massive oh, yeah. contribution on the game uh, he's my he is my gotcha covered uh, player he had- of the game and he had a yeah. bunch of plays of the game that were yeah. very impactful. And it's funny, yeah. I mean, one one quick one on Gagne. He had a couple of great chances early, and he even gave it the old look. He gave, you were, It's in your end of the ice, Sean, where you watch from. You could see he kind of looked at Gibson. He's like, hey, come on, man, I had you there. And he kind of gave him the shake there. I think Mark Scheifele got him that pass across. Uh, he had a little bit of frustration, but he stuck with it. And that kind of stick-to-itiveness is what has allowed Sam Gagne to be on this road to, to 1,000 NHL games and beyond. Uh, and he's just been such a great fit for uh, for the Winnipeg Jets this year. Uh, there's no doubt, no doubt about that. And again, he's got to do it over a long stretch of time, but that's the kind of game that you can get from Sam Gagne because of his intellectual ability. I just thought he was absolutely fantastic uh, in terms of his reads, in terms of being in the right space. Uh, Mark Scheif- You asked Mark Scheifele about him. Mark was absolutely raving about Gagne's smarts yeah. and his ability to be in the right spots all the time. He's a real student of the game, and he's another one of those guys, Sean, who just loves hockey, right? I mean, we've seen the interaction, Sam Gagne around the room. I mean, this guy loves the game so much. That's how he was able to persevere, and it's one of the reasons why he's been able to have been such a good fit here with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I was going to have a different uh, uh, Johnson group got you covered play of the game or player of the game. But you know what? I'll just save it for a trip to the buffet later on because it's worth it. Uh, but in the meantime, I, you kind of got me over to you. I mean, he had them covered, right? And they have a, There's a hole in the top line and he comes out and they absolutely do great. He had them covered uh, just like our friends at the Johnson group who always got you covered. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. And just, I should probably give a heads up here. Uh, we're going to be giving away moose tickets, uh, or our friends, Cambrian Credit Union, are going to be giving away moose tickets. On the show here, we'll have another uh, of those hunts that uh, uh, 
uh, basically Easter egg hunts uh, coming up. Give us about 10 minutes or so. We're going to do that. Uh, but I want to talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois. This is going to be my – he was my guy who I was going to have for the Johnson Group. Got you covered, play of the game. And I'll tell you why. I thought, to your point, there was a little bit of a dead spot in that game for the Winnipeg Jets. They couldn't seem to get things going. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois got them going. So it starts before the fight. If you notice the play before the fight, Carrick gets hammered by Pierre-Luc Dubois. Thought it was a little bit of an elbow. He got away with it. He ran at him first. He ran at him first. Sure. But but Pierre-Luc Dubois comes back, gets the elbow a little bit high, a little bit of the sweet chin music, if there's any Shawn Michaels fans up there. And then not only does he knock him to the ground, but then it's insult to injury. He goes and he stands over top of him, which if you've played hockey and a guy knocks you down and then stands over top of you, that is infuriating. This is what I've talked about in the past, the PLD, the psychological killer out there. Gets in his face, the player gets up, kind of re- retaliates, and then uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, again, I don't know how he gets away with it, but he two-hand slashes him, gets away with it, and then steps off the ice as Brendan Dillon comes over and takes care of business. That's where the spark comes, I think. You're going to give me your idea of where the spark came from later. Uh, but that, to me, is where the spark comes for the Winnipeg Jets. But it's not just that. Then he goes out, I believe it's his very next shift, and draws the penalty. Well, it's the first goal of the game for the Winnipeg Jets. They tie it up. They get things going. But not only does he draw the penalty, he gets the first assist on the power play. And again, to the point of being that psychological pest, that high IQ pest, he goes to the net, takes the bump from the player, gets up in John Gibson's grill. And I was actually very surprised. I don't know about you, Ken. I thought Dallas... Oh, totally surprised. ...was was going to challenge that play because John Gibson can't get to the puck because Pierre-Luc Dubois is standing there. Now, I do understand why he didn't because Pierre-Luc Dubois was pushed in there and then he just makes no attempt to get out of there. But he's like, what? I got pushed in. I'm in this spot because this defender directed me there. Sorry, I can't get out of the goaltender's way. But that goal, once again... Just like I talked about the last game against the Seattle Kraken, that last goal does not happen to tie the game up. That is a game over. The Jets lose that game, if not for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Well, that play, that goal, does not happen if Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't take the penalty. I think it may not happen if he doesn't you know, get the, the, the temperature up in that game to start in that fight. And it doesn't happen if he's not standing there blocking Gibson from getting back into position to stop that puck. And so we may look back at this game, Ken, and I will look at it and say, not only do I think that Pierre-Luc Dubois provided the spark that got the Jets going in this game, but if Kyle Connor goes and goes on a tear right now, I'm going to give it to Pierre-Luc Dubois and say, hey, he lit the fire under this guy that got him back going. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a cerebral pest. He did it again here tonight. He knows how to get the other team irked. He knows how to get his team going. And he did that here tonight, no doubt. Yeah, he was fantastic. I mean, it was section during the period. I mean, his level of engagement was fantastic in that period. He totally helped the Jets get it swung around. I just personally thought that the, I think it started a little bit earlier than the penalty where they had that extended shift where John Lingberg, I think, was stuck on the ice for 328 or higher, right? I mean, I don't know if they went back and changed that shift length, but he was stuck on the ice for three and a half minutes. I think the Jets took three spins in that zone. They for surely changed once, and they might have changed twice. Uh, so to me, oh, bang on. I mean, Terry Trey, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' handprints are all over the last few games. Of course they are. I mean... He was in Jacob Markstrom's grill getting a five-on-three. Uh, he was on the ice and sucking, suckering Carson Soucy into taking or punching him in the back of the head for the power play that allowed the six-on-four goal that Blake Wheeler scored with 5.2 seconds left. And then he was right worst, in the middle of everything. One of the worst everything. penalties I can remember in years. Anyways, go on. Sorry. No, for sure. And then today he was in the middle of everything. I just thought that the Jets had really that great extended shift. I think the Shifley line was out there for quite a bit of that time, but I think they got at least one spin and one line change during that that time. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, at the very worst, uh, Dubois should have had a slashing penalty, right? I mean, oh, he two-handed yeah. him. He, had, he two-handed him. I mean, to me, it's charging for Carrick and it's slashing for Dubois. Um, that, that would have been how I saw it. I'm also going to quickly say, too, I did not, again, I did not like the way 
that the instigator was called in that situation. That was a glorified hugging fest. There was absolutely no need for the officials to send Brendan Dillon off for 17 minutes. I can appreciate that they called it by the book and it doesn't get called properly enough. I just don't think that was an example where it needed to be called. I mean, I don't I don't see that as as true instigation at all. I've got a theory. I've got a theory or maybe a tinfoil hat theory of why they called it. But I think that they saw that that whole thing got started by Pierre-Luc Dubois. But so then just call slashing. Sure, but he was already Ken. He slashed him, and then he stepped off the ice. And Who cares? So it, well, the, the refs have to care because if you're a ref, you can't watch a player two-hand slash someone and then get off the ice and then raise your hand after he's got off the ice. You can't do that. So I think, to be honest with you, I think Brennan Dillon pays the price for Pierre-Luc Dubois in that case. And again, it's one, of, it's one of those things where it's like, it's the cerebral past. He got out of it to the point that the rest were like, he can't keep getting away with it. So then they nailed Brendan Dillon with it. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. And I honestly think that's what it is because this whole, like, it is clear. If you're watching that play and replay, and if you're the refs, you that's a powder keg that Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't just set off. He lit a blowtorch and started that thing and then stepped off the ice and watched it all blow up. And I think the refs looked at that situation and thought, man, we missed that. And then and then had to do something about it because it's pretty hard for Carrick to get, you know, maybe elbowed in the face, most definitely two-hand slash, and then be approached by another Jets player and even that up. I think it's pretty hard for the refs to, to do that. But I, I think the only reason Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't get the – or it happens that way is because I don't think they were expecting Pierre-Luc Dubois to engage in that and then suddenly hop off the ice. And now they're like, well, we can't administer him a penalty because our arm wasn't up before he got off the ice. And somewhere the league is not going to be happy with our performance if we're calling a retroactive penalty on a player that's not even on the ice anymore. I, I, they can't do that. No, but you also can't penalize a defenseman 12 minutes for the actions of another player. That, that also is – that's a little bit too tin tinfoil hatty for me. Or they can, or they can and did <laughs> right in front yeah. of your faces. Yeah. Well, and, and um, again, it hurt the Jets because it, they kind of it disrupted their their D pairings for like more than seventeen minutes, right? So, um, you know, again, I, they were also you know, Brennan Dillon steps in and provides a bit of a spark, but uh, I didn't necessarily. I mean, I the Jets defense had a couple moments where their game was not really 100% on. I know a bunch of people are asking about Dylan DeMello. We don't know what's going on with Dylan DeMello. What we know is he missed a practice earlier this week. So if he missed a practice because he's banged up and then in the morning Rick Bonus says he's got a couple of game time decisions and then another guy is, you know, he sits out as a game time decision. Well, naturally he's hurt. We don't know how severe or what the issue is, but uh, we'll see what the next few days bring before the game against the Penguins. But uh, sorry, let's stay on defense for a second. You and I yeah, both hold on agree. A second. Before oh. we do anything, why don't you give Lou a shout out? Time for time for Lou to get a shout out. Yeah, right on. For all of your real estate needs, if you're looking to buy, if you're looking to sell, if you're looking to rent, if you know, if you're looking for anything in the real estate market, if you want to just check out some listings, uh, contact our main man Lou Furlan. Uh, you can reach him at louferlin.ca or you can call him at 204-791-9971 or in the office 204-989-5000. Uh, Lou Ferlin is, uh, is my personal realtor. He's found me two outstanding condo properties. Um, he's just a great human being, a former Manitoba Bison. He's going to be watching closely in, uh, at the Bombers this weekend as they try for a three-peat. He's watching a lot of Jets games. Uh, just an outstanding human being, and uh, he can hook you up with all your real estate needs. Now, I'm going to hop out of this quickly before we uh, – or sorry, I'm going to hop into quickly our home field dig deeper comment. And I'm going to go out on a limb with this one, Ken. I may be entirely wrong, but I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that Ryan Friesen gets our dig deeper comment. And here's why. I've been reading into this, and I, I can't tell – uh, I cannot tell at this moment if Ryan Friesen actually thought that was a, a, a legitimate take or if he was trying to rile me up. I'm going to say that that take is so bad, Ryan Friesen, 
that you were actually doing it to get me riled up and you were trying to induce a wake up. You were trying to get a rise out of Rennie and get a wake up call and you got the double barreled wake up call and we know how everyone loves the wake up call. So I actually think Ryan Friesen was saying that to get me all wound up and well, hook he PLD'd you, buddy. He PLD'd you. He PLD'd me. He PLD'd you. That's right. Pierre Luc Dubois of the chat room. So he gets the dig deeper, the home field dig deeper comment of the game. Congratulations, Ryan. Either that or you've got ice cold takes. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume the best of you in this situation. So you've got the dig deeper comment by home field. Uh right homefield.ca uh, for marketing and more. All right, Kay, you wanted to go back to defense. Go back there. Yeah, so I'd like you to just to weigh in uh, on the play of Dylan Sandberg, and then I'll give a few thoughts. Uh, I know you asked Rick Bonus about him as well. Uh, oh, well, I mean, I just thought, okay, so Sandberg, what stood out to me, again, it's one of these things where, you know, you don't want to notice a player too much. I noticed him tonight, but again, not for the bad reasons. I just thought that he was an absolute monster in his own end, sealing off the puck, taking it away from players, moving it up ice. There was one time I think he got into a little bit of trouble, but other than that, he was giving that and they were a little bit of a tricky team tonight, the Ducks. I know when Rick Bonus was giving them credit before the game, I kind of was scoffing at that a little bit. I mean, this is a team that had won one of its last five games. Now it's won one of its last six. They're the last place team in the Western Conference. Hard to like take a look at this team and say, you know, oh, no, they're doing a lot of good things. But I took a look at that game tonight. That team is clearly skilled. I, I thought they lost tonight, no doubt. No doubt because they were the less mature of the two teams. I think the Jets won that game because there was a maturity to their game that was entirely missing from the Anaheim Ducks. I think the Anaheim Ducks were actually better in a lot of areas in that game than the Winnipeg Jets were. But that being said, this Ducks team that was able to get a lot of stuff going at certain times, especially when Zegras and uh, uh, Troy Terry were out there, um, that wasn't happening when Sandberg was on the ice. He was really shutting things down. But the other part of it as well was he was really sealing the puck on the wall, sealing the wall and holding the Ducks in their own zone. Um, I hadn't thought about this. Rick Bonus made a really interesting comment. One of those times when he sealed the puck, he got it, took it, dragged it to the middle of the ice and got a good shot that was tipped that created a really good scoring opportunity. Um, and Rick Bonus let it be known like – it seems to, to to Rick Bonus, one of the things that's missing is he's not shooting enough. He's not getting that active. But I think what happens now is he pulled that playoff, Ken, and now it's on the video. And I think Scott O'Neill and Rick Bonus and everyone is going to be going and showing him and saying more of this, please. Keep doing more of that. I think it may be an aha moment for Dylan Sandberg, who not only had a great game and did all the things to be a stable young defenseman in the league, but now is being given the green light and the blueprint to add more to his game. This may be one of those games that we look back and say, this is when something clicked for Dylan Sandberg and it clicked in a game that he was already, I thought, great. I can't believe some people were trashing him in the chat room. I don't know what they're watching. Those people deserve the wake-up call. Let's take the wake-up call away from Ryan Friesen and bestow it on the people who were saying that because I thought that Dylan Sandberg had a great game. Yeah, so 23 shifts for just under 16 minutes. Obviously, he would have benefited from uh, Brendan Dillon being out of the lineup for as long as he was. Uh, one of the other things too, and I texted you in real time on this, I, I thought that the, to me, the yeah, that shot and kind of forced a disruption in front of the net and some chaos, but to me, the play that Dylan Sandberg made that was reminiscent of last year when he just jumped in to the lineup and played great. To me, he had a wheel play around the net where he basically used his strength to hold off a forward checker he made a tight turn to come in around the net, and then he immediately looked up and found Mark Shifley with a clean exit. Now, again, Shifley bobbled the puck. I, I don't think he was expecting it necessarily. I think that was a really high IQ play for Dylan Sandberg on all three fronts. He didn't get knocked off the puck. He made a smart play. His exit would have been clean because it was a smart look for him, uh, and I thought he started to use his body a little bit more. I think, I think people forget this again. I'm not saying Dylan Sandberg can be as physical a guy as a Jacob Truba was, but he was a great open ice hitter, both in on his way to college, at the World Juniors, and then in college. He is a really physical guy. He's a big, strong physical force, and he can impose his will on people at times. And he's also mobile uh, enough, and I really thought that he's starting to grow his confidence 
and uh, I really think that he's starting to, to get moving um, in terms of him. I mean, again, I said this in the, my mailbag earlier this week. I mean, I think today was Dylan Sambridge's 31st game in the NHL. 31st. So when people say there are hiccups in his game, what do you expect? He has not played 40 games or 50 or 60 or 100. He's played 31. I mean, and there were times during COVID where he, he lost the ability to play in the playoffs as a junior at Minnesota Duluth. He didn't play a lot during the Moose season. And then he had the injury at training camp last year. I mean, this is a guy who still has the ability to to eat some major minutes and be an important performer on the back end. So uh, I think he's really making some important strides uh, in a lot of areas. Uh, on the flip side, staying on defense, I mean, I I didn't love the way Neil Pionk played the Trevor Zegers goal. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. I, I, I understand that there was you know a little bit of confusion on a bunch of fronts and uh, maybe he got a little bit, uh, you know, discombobulated with the way Josh Morrissey tried to kind of attack uh, Adam Henrique on the back check. But that lane cannot be available, Sean, right? That passing lane cannot be available. We talked about the two-on-ones a couple games ago. Um, That play, Neil Pionk's had some solid moments this year, but he's also had a few more hiccups. And we know last year uh, he had the foot injury that he was dealing with. But right now there have been a... Neil Pionk needs to be better. I mean, he's a $6 million defenseman. He needs to up his game a little bit. That's my personal view. Uh, I think he has the the ability to do so. Um, Again, he had two years where he was the Jets' best defenseman. So, uh, But the Jets need him to get back to playing at that level. Um, Okay, it's time to give away some tickets. So uh, what we're going to do here is I'm going to bring up just to give a little bit of, uh, just to clear the deck here, give a little bit of an idea what this looks like here. So Cambrian uh, has launched its new website, um, and we wanted to bring up a li- another little bit of an Easter egg hunt here. And it's going to be one of these things where you throw the answer in the chat room. So after I read this, get ready for it. You're going to go to cambrian.mb.ca. Make sure you get the .mb in there. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And the first person in the chat room with the answer, we're going to do this all over again, is going to win the moose tickets. So Cambrian Credit Union, they're continuing their giveaways this episode. Up for grabs, two tickets to an upcoming home moose game. The winner will be able to pick an upcoming home moose game from the moose website. Last week, Cambrian announced announced and launched two new online experiences. One, their fully redesigned Cambrian online banking and a brand new Cambrian website at cambrian.mb.ca. There's a nice little picture of the stuff right there. Now, the first person to find the answer to this question on their website, cambrian.mb.ca, and type the answer into the chat is going to win that pair of moose tickets. What you need to do is name one of the five Cambrian sponsorship and donation areas of focus here. Now, the key words here, sponsorship and donations. The first person with the answer is going to win the moose ticks. Happy hunting, everybody. Get on out there, okay? And, Ken, I'm just going to uh, throw the the question up there. And I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm going to peruse to see who's going to get this first in here. I wanted to ask you something, though. Actually, you peruse for a little bit here because I'm going to introduce something. I'm going in a different direction. Connor Hellebuck was lambasted for a lot of his career for handling the puck and being a poor puck handler. And to be honest with you, until they get past where they were against the Vegas Golden Knights and that egregious mistake that he made handling the puck, he wasn't ready to do so at that time. uh, And it cost them, no doubt. But one thing I always admired about Connor Hellebuck was that he kept at it. He kept thinking the right thing to do is for me to keep doing this and figure out a way to become one of those goalies that can handle the puck. And he kept doing it. I think, Ken, he's arrived. If you take a look at a lot of the Jets' breakouts tonight, when the Ducks started trying to ring the puck out, he'd come out, he almost always makes the right play. He sets his defense up in a situation to get rid of that puck quickly. Connor Hellebuck was, you know, as a Vesna Trophy winner a couple of years ago, was nowhere near the puck handler he is now. He's added to his arsenal something that allows uh, the ability to take off a lot of pressure for the Winnipeg Jets defensemen and their players. Um, and I'm here to plant the flag and say first, Connor Hellebuck has become a good 
puck moving goaltender. And it is one of the reasons the Jets are as good at moving the puck. Uh, and that's the winner. Uh, so we're going to get to that question right away. But John Chan, first in the um, in the chat room with uh, with with one of the answers, one of the five Cambrian sponsorship and donation areas of focus. John Chan wins the Moose tickets. Uh, we're going to get your information along, John. You got to direct. John is one of our out of town viewers. I'm not sure oh, he's going to be able to do it. Maybe he's coming well, then, home for a game. And, we'll, let, and we'll, this is uh, one we'll, of those we'll things. Work on that. If he comes home for a game, if he wants to give it to friends here, or if he wants to give it, gift it to someone in the chat room, that's the way it's going to go. But excellent job, John Chan. Uh, and Ken, the areas of, uh, do you have the other areas of uh, focus? I'll let you work on that. I'm just going to finish my, uh, you find that, and I'm just going to finish what I was talking about. And what I want to talk about, because I want the chat room's take on this, I think that Connor Hellbuck just got to a place where we used to have it in our chat room all the time. Just leave it alone. Leave the puck alone, people used to say about it. I think Connor Hellebuck has moved out of that. I think Connor Hellebuck has now become a good to, to good to very good puck handling goaltender. And I think the Jets are reaping the benefits from it. I want you to respond to that. And I am going to go and find the I found five. it. I got yeah. it right here. I got it right here. Cambrian Credit Union, helping you make a difference. Uh, the five areas are community care, arts and culture, education, health and wellness, and financial literacy. Okay. Uh, good job by John Chan. And uh, just a quick way in, uh, obviously, I um, with the situation in the fall, uh, incorporated after I got the, the, uh, the deal with Sportsnet and opened a business account. And it's just been super easy and, and great uh, way. And the new website is making things uh, super easy on those fronts for sure. So, All right. and back okay. back to the puck handling. Yeah. Well, hold on, oh, hold sorry. on. We've we've made a little bit of fun here. Uh, this is what I love about Cambrian being so generous and handing this stuff out. John Chan wants to give it back to the chat site. He just wanted to play for fun. Well, you won playing for fun. I guess the pressure was off. So that right now you get to gift it to anyone you want in the chat room. You get to go through and gift it. Uh, so I'm waiting on your response, John. And now, Ken, I'm waiting on your response on the Connor Hellebuck stuff. Yeah, I mean, here's a couple a couple comments from uh, from Comet and Blake uh, Grist. Uh, Helly must have worked all summer on his puck skills. It's really paid off. Uh, I mean, hey, I noticed this during training camp, Sean. Uh, you know, is the is the odd is there an odd fumble? Of course, but he has done a great job. I agree with you. I think his ability. And sometimes it's just the simple plays of not getting the puck knocked down and leaving it at the proper spacing behind the net so the defenseman can go on a wheel play or if he can set up shop, if he can find a guy. All those things are important. Uh, I mean, I even it, it's funny. Don't I mean, it's hard to interpret off TV. Don't you think for a second Connor thought about shooting at the empty net today when he got the puck ah, in the corner? I know yes. he just ended up going off the glass. But I think for one second he thought he might be able to take a shot at that open net. I don't think uh, there was enough time. Eh? No, I agree with you. I don't no. think there would have been enough time either. Okay. Uh, and hold but on. I think before he was we, thinking about it. Before we go too far here, it sounds like the chat room is saying, and John Chan who was wanting to, uh, us to take it back and offer it to someone else. It sounds like Rob Mahoney was first and that you may have missed it. The chat room keeps saying that over and over again. So that's just what we're going to do because I don't think John wants to deal with passing it out to someone. So Rob Mahoney, you are now the winner of the Moose tickets. You got to get a hold of me. Direct message me on Twitter if Twitter is still alive and still a thing. Other than that, we'll figure this out. Or go and leave me a comment where I can get a hold of you uh, on the YouTube channel here in the comments after this video. You won the Moose tickets. Great job, Rob Mahoney. And great job, chat, for pointing out Kenny's inability to grab the first winner there I, I think i think that can i think the chat room just gave you a wake up my friend we need to add like a, a wake up button so that when we're not doing our jobs <laughs> that people out there can throw the logo the wake up logo in there for you and i no doubt hey uh, keep we'll, going. We'll, we'll take it we're 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 fine we're fine accepting the blame there is uh, yeah. there is uh, we're not right all the time, nor do we pretend to be. We're just doing our best here to be or, or, or right as time, often. Maybe <laughs> speak, only some yeah, of the speak, time. Yeah, <laughs> speak for yourself on that one, buddy. <laughs> uh, anyways, I want to – sorry, I know that uh, yeah, Hellebuck was just solid again in a lot of areas. Uh, I want you to uh, – I just think it's important. we got about five minutes left. Uh, sure. I know there's a lot of people that would like to dig in on Vili Hanel. I just don't think there's anything to really dig in on. Uh, if this, if you know, if it's a long stint of eating popcorn, I mean, then we'll talk about it. Uh, and again, 
we always talk about the people holding out the receipts. Uh, Nick Lynham uh, was quick to point out that, you know, my whole, the next time Billy Hanel is called up is going to be the last time. Well, I mean, that could be in jeopardy depending on how long that Dylan DeMello is out. Um, we had a fun exchange over that this morning, but uh, I mean, we'll get to that once it becomes an issue. Uh, one day is not an issue for me, uh, but we've shared our views on this before. I mean, long-term, should he be playing ahead of Kyle Capabianco? Most likely, yes. I mean, we talked about you know him playing behind guys who are pending UFAs. So that's not something the Jets want to have. Uh, let's see how long this goes. If it's more than one game, then we'll dig in. Uh, I need you to give a, a feel for what it was like inside the building with the Hall of Fame stuff. I mean, um, shared this before. I mean, when we were at the Global Series in Finland, uh, Tim Campbell and myself had this incredible guided tour of Tampere from Teppo Numenen, which was just an outstanding way to start off uh, that whole road trip to Finland. Uh, he took us to the Finnish Hockey Hall of Fame, where both he and his father are members. It was outstanding. Uh, at that same trip, that's a classic Tamu Solani moment, where before Game 1 against the Panthers, he talked about Patrick Laine's struggles, about how he just needed to keep hitting the ketchup bottle. And once you hit the ketchup bottle, it's going to just pour out. And tonight, uh, I have to yeah. give Jay Bell credit for this one, tonight was Kyle Connor's ketchup bottle kind of exploding, but... Um, I could get the sense over TV what it was like. A lot of nostalgia, a lot of people feeling fired up, whether it was for the other alumni in the building or not. But these are two guys who were beloved in the city. Uh, you can tell their genuine love for one another. Uh, I think oh, that yeah. was something when when Timu when Timu grabbed Teppo's arm and raised it. Uh, it was yeah. one of those kind of just kind of moments where uh, I think people really got kind of caught up in it. Uh, but what was it like inside the building? Because uh, again, I know it's, this isn't a you know, it's it's a big deal for Jets fans and for the uh, ability to connect with the past, with the present, and the future. Uh, what was it like in the building for you to to sort of witness that and to see this morning when when Timu and Teppo were were talking and you know making jokes about the Palomino Club and and sharing yeah. their thoughts on their time here. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I think I'm fairly certain you were there. I was down in Anaheim when they retired Timu Solani's number down there, his number eight, and put it up in the rafters there. Um, and so I'll be, if I'm being entirely honest, uh, I was thinking, I wonder if we should be doing this, two guys, in, at one point. I mean, I wonder if maybe we shouldn't have done these and made them separate nights and given everyone their own nights. because. And this is what made me think that is, is – if you're Timu Solani, and clearly the two teams that he played on that were closest to his heart were the Winnipeg Jets and the Anaheim Ducks. I know he had stops in Colorado, a shortstop in Colorado, a little bit longer. You know, he it's not quite as much, but he actually, his time in San Jose was not that much less than his time in Winnipeg, but we don't ever think of him as a San Jose Shark. Um, but I started thinking to myself, well, I wonder what this is going to mean to Timu Solani, and is it going to mean less... Because if you remember that game, Ken, the Anaheim Ducks gave the Jets 92-93 era Jets jerseys with the number 13 on the back in Solani and every Dustin Bufflin, Blake Wheeler, Andrew Ladd, everyone on the ice was wearing the Timu Solani jersey. And then on the other side of it, because the, the Anaheim Ducks have had like 17 different jerseys, all their players in the warm-up were wearing different versions of all the different Anaheim Ducks jerseys with Solani's number eight and his name on the back. So that was really special. And then the retire, you know, the putting his number up in the in the rafters. It was a really special moment. It was really, really focused entirely on Team Solani. So I was wondering if this one felt a little brief to him compared to what it felt like in Anaheim because it was a time that he was sharing the spotlight. And the moment you talked about where he grabbed Newman's arm and raised it up is the moment that convinced me otherwise. And it was also a moment earlier on when I'd asked Teppo Newman about what it was like for him to see the jet, the, uh, the Dale Howard statue and what links those guys to this town and this team is I think they walked in and Timu Solani made it clear about Teppo Newman and 
he was a really special player in allowing him to walk into the NHL and succeed as quick as he did, as fast as he did, and be as bright a star as he as he was. And you know that that means a lot to him. So the success, that single season of success, that record that is never going to be broken, that he got, you can tell he gives Teppo Newman a big chunk of the credit for him being able to do that and pulling that off. So him and his number going up into the rafters in Winnipeg seems to make sense to go alongside a guy who 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 helped make it happen. And then in Newman's sake, I think, you know, being able to be a part of that moment, a part of Solani's moment, I think meant something. But also, Tebo Newman made it clear about, you know, guys like Lori Boschman and Doug Smale uh, and Randy Carlyle and all those guys on that 80s Jets team that he started out with and how much they meant to him and his career. And we don't talk enough about these guys. I've said this before. Dale Howarchuk, outside of Winnipeg and outside of the players who played against him, like the 80s Oilers, I still don't think people... NHL hockey fans have a true appreciation of how good he was, but the players who played with and against him did. And Teppo Newman, you can tell us like those guys feel like they owe so much of what they became to those players around them. Solani to guys like Newman and the other guys that were there, and Teppo to guys like Dale Howarchuk. And so I think it made sense in that moment to grab two players who were linked to their country, to the team. And just the idea that what those guys will always remember Winnipeg for is for their developmental years. And that's why I think it made sense to bring them together. At the end, Timu Solani deserved the stage all to himself in Anaheim because he went on to do what he did in Anaheim for all those years. There are so many players that cycled through. But here was all about the launching pad of two great careers and what this franchise meant and what the players around it meant. So I think it made sense. And I think it was good, and it was a phenomenal atmosphere. Um, just another one of those really, really special nights. I remember I was at, you'll remember this, Ken, you were probably covering it. I was there just watching it as a fan. But the Manitoba Moose put Dale Howarchuk's number up into the rafters. Um, you were probably there covering that game. And for me, just to see that moment back then and to now look up to my right over here and see the two, four, six, eight, ten now numbers up in the rafters, it's just nice. I feel like I was there for the very first start of that and to see the direction that it's gone in. Uh, the, the, the Jets have done a phenomenal job of linking the, peasant, the present to the past after so much of our past was wiped out. Great job by the Jets. Yeah, it seemed awesome. I mean, that's something that, I mean, again, I'm excited to be in Regina for the Grey Cup, but I mean, I, I, I would have liked to have been part of the, witnessing that evening. I mean, uh, it's always fun to chronicle history, but again, that's what I'm here for for this weekend. Uh, before we go, we got uh, two standing room. We have one uh, for everyone who is mad about how the tickets were distributed. Uh, we have two standing room general admission tickets for the Saturday rematch between the Regina Pats, Connor Bedard, and the Winnipeg Ice. Did you so, see that score at the beginning of the game tonight? I certainly did. Yes, generational uh, hockey player. This is these are, these are valuable tickets we're handing out here. Boy, they oh are boy. valuable. They they've, been with, packed, they've been packing they arenas. Come with strings attached. And again, so an absolute thriller at the Ice Cave uh, this evening. The Winnipeg Ice defeat the Regina Pats 9-5 in the, in the tilt today. Matthew Savoy with his first WHL hat trick. And he also had three helpers for a six-point night as the Ice defeat Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats 9-5. The rematch goes Saturday night. And uh, just so that there is no debate or uh, of any kind, the first person to DM me will get those two tickets. You need to give me your email address and we'll get you the two tickets from there. There'll be uh, no, no... no, uh, nobody complaining they didn't get it first. First DM to me gets the two tickets. Uh, great weekend in sports all around. Uh, that's another fantastic event that will be going on. And, uh, you know, fire away for those tickets. And it'll be a fun Saturday for you, Sean. I mean, the other thing I'm going to miss out, uh, Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins coming to town on Saturday. Always, uh, you know, again, I always, we'll get into it more on Saturday, but... Uh, the opportunity to cover Sidney Crosby as part of that 2005 World Junior Team during the lockout, uh, that was a real thrill for me early in my journalism career. Uh, a team filled with Hall of Fame 
people and individuals. They went to Grand Forks, probably the best World Junior team ever assembled. Uh, to see Sidney Crosby as a 17-year-old, the way he conducted himself, uh, the one trait, I mean, I know you see this still in the NHL, and he's now in his mid-30s. At 17, Sidney was a guy who looked every questioner in the eye, Sean, in a scrum. The scrum could be massive. It could be five people deep. He would find the person talking to him, even as a 17-year-old kid, and not only try to give you a great answer, but he spoke directly at you at a time where you know some athletes uh, are disengaged and look to the ceiling. Uh, he was a guy that did that. He understood the responsibility he had to carry the torch for the game uh, a long time ago, and it's uh, always good when he rolls through town because he appreciates his time that he had in Manitoba on as part of that World Junior experience as well. Okay, uh, before we go, uh, as a very wise person in the chat room always reminded me, even if I do forget my headband, as long as I've got a tie, I've got a headband. So uh, let's get at it. And before we go, let's make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show. You can talk when we get back. Okay. Ken, you had something you wanted to say. So, sorry, the last time you used the headband song is the outro. As the outro, so no. We're going to get to the sponsors before. We we will. Uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so so let, let me wrap things up here first. I want to say uh, thank you, everyone. This <laughs> is someone said that the chat room was absolutely on fire today. Great job by the chat room. Uh, I wanted to give a reminder: December eighteenth is the Kenny and Rennie Christmas party. We've already got people sending us uh, DMs for tickets. It's twenty dollars. I get you your first drink and. There's going to be food there, so the the money basically takes care of itself. And then you get to sit in on a live show, Kenny and Rennie. You can maybe even hop on. Uh, uh, you can hop right into the show. We can add you in there. That's one of the benefits of being there. But we've talked for a long time. We really, really like spending time with you in the chat room. We want to see some of you in real life. So uh, uh, come on down December 18th, the Kenny and Rennie Christmas party. It's a Sunday night. Going to be a great game. Let's check that out. Wanted to thank our sponsors before we do go. We've said this once. I'll say it every time on this show. Uh, we would not be having these conversations in this space if it wasn't for our sponsors. So thank you to Vittorio Rossi, TransCanada Brewing, Johnson Group, Lou Furlan, the realtor, Homefield, and Cambrian Credit Union. Thank you so much for that. You got something you got to say, Ken? Yeah, Doug Henderson won the tickets uh, to the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, Doug, just send your email and the tickets will be yours for Saturday night. And uh, we'll hand out a couple more tickets for the ice I believe they're hosting the Lethbridge Hurricanes next week. But uh, enjoy that game on Saturday night. And we'll look forward to our show on Saturday. Yeah, and Andy, uh, if you're waiting for a Rennie humble brag, you're going to have to tune in for the next show, as will the rest of you. Thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you after a hockey night in Canada game. I'll be hosting it as the Jets take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'll talk to you all then. See you later.